0: Today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week with CityCast Madison's Bianca Martin and Molly Stentz. There's a lot of new housing going up in Madison, but is that enough to bring down prices? The city's new mental health crisis team is struggling to keep up with demand, and Bianca catches Barbie fever. How are you feeling? It's Friday, July 28th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. You are about to enter another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of news. A journey into a wondrous land of information. Next stop, the Great Friday Roundup. And first through the scary door is CityCast host bianca martin hello bianca do
1: do do (laughs) do 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 hello
0: also with us is the sheriff of this here podcast molly stentz hello molly
2: hello hello hello
0: all right i'm kicking us off this week with some hard data on housing which we know is always great on podcasts talking numbers and details and data so get ready everyone The State Journal did pretty good analysis of all these new apartment buildings that are popping up all over downtown, particularly in the Isthmus area. Well, turns out the median average rent for a one-bedroom is about $1,500. Seems a little high. And then when you look at the typical renter and what their income is, it's about $46,000 a year. Well, what's affordable housing to them? Less than $1,200 for a one-bedroom. So we see a big problem right there.
1: The rent is too damn high.
0: We keep hearing about how building all this housing is what's going to make affordable housing. And that's true. All these new apartment buildings will eventually make more affordable housing in town, but it's going to take like three decades. That's when one of these new apartment buildings on East Wash or whatever, after 20 years, that's sort of when it falls into what the typical renter can afford.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So good for us in 20 years, but... uh, you know it's a little bit discouraging in terms of how do we address our short-term housing affordability needs because the truth is we should have been doing this a long time ago and we're trying to catch up but it's a little bit rough out there Ooh, smack whose fault is it whose fault is it <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole episode or 12 <laughs>
1: I don't like ascribing blame, but I did hear that we should have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> Three decades, that's thats far out. But you're ready. You're ready. You're like... Yeah, I'm actually, I'm here for it. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of things have happened. And I don't know, 30 years ago, if they could have anticipated the huge growth in Madison. And, and that's another big piece of good information and data that came out from the city the 2023 housing snapshot report was presented to the mass and housing strategies committee i haven't seen any news on this yet but i'm sure it's coming city staff put this together and it largely backs up what the state journal found in their analysis part of the problem is is that we have a lot of people with high income who are moving in. So even though these apartment buildings are above what the average renter can afford, there's still a market for it. So that just makes the problem worse. Just look at households making $100,000 a year that has gone up 84% since 2011 and households making 25 to 50k that went down nearly 6%. So the city is becoming more affluent and we're really risking becoming like an Austin or a San Francisco. And we have these examples that are talked about a lot, and we want to avoid that. And it's very unclear how.
2: (sighs) Yeah, I think that's the point here, rather than all the numbers. I love all the numbers. You, yourself, and you.
1: Mm. No, 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 no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it's what we all know, right? Any of us who have either tried to rent an apartment, tried to buy a house... The only thing that's good right now is selling a house. <laughs> if only well, you could all, only do that.
0: <laughs> if, you have, uh, if you're making more than 100 a year, your household is. you got options, but anything below that, and you don't. Okay, I know you don't like the numbers, but guess how much a, a starter home in 2012 cost? Just guess.
2: I don't have to. I mean I know
1: 220,000 from my own experience. <laughs> a
0: lot less, about 100k in Madison. Now, 11 years later, it's 290k and people with higher incomes are buying these starter homes. So people like it used to be like if you had more money you'd buy a bigger house, not case anymore. Now all the people who have means are buying all the starter homes in Madison. And so if Can I also you know,
1: like ruffle at the term starter home that people just are able to have a starter home and there are a bunch of people can't even get a home?
0: Yeah, it's a weird term.
1: (laughs) Well, that just
0: backs up the point. Yeah. Well, it's a cheaper home, a smaller home. It's an an
2: industry term that we don't need to use. But the whole point is like, you can't find homes under 200K in the central city, like anywhere... It's hard. It's hard. It didn't, it, it used to be hard 10 years ago, but possible. I did it, but it is way hard now.
1: Well, we're being priced out, and it's just really sad because, you know, Madison's a smaller community oriented place, and these are, it's not just random, you know, people. These are our, our friends, our community members who are going to have to make choices to stay or leave. And I actually, When I was in Chicago and I was before I knew about this wonderful opportunity, (laughs) I went and looked at Madison rents, just thinking about what's next, working remotely, and they were comparable for a one bedroom in Madison to Chicago for what I was looking at. And I was like, um, skip, but (laughs) obviously I came, but like, it's wild. It is just, the difference is so crazy. And I'm just thinking about the people are being forced out thinking about evictions. You know, we had Carousel Baird on, you know, a local lawyer who, you know, has been doing a lot for folks with evictions and, you know, lower income individuals and getting them legal assistance. And what we heard from her basically is evictions are so, so expensive. Like, this is going to be costly. And so I i don't know. what's the, What are the best plans on the table right now?
0: Well, the state and federal government really got to get involved or we can go with my golf course idea. Carry on. No more golf courses. The city owns golf courses. They own that land. Let's build like a million little Bailey parks like in It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Aw. I love that sorry to the golfers out there but you can make yeah. half of
0: it a park oh no, I'm not sorry for the golfers not one bit sorry it's a game and people need places to live yeah True.
1: you know I'm not a huge fan of, of country clubs but you know there are golfers here in Madison that are it's like more accessible <laughs> than some of the fancier places but
0: yeah sure the public golf them. courses are more accessible <laughs> than the than the private country clubs but it's still golf. Anyway, that's, uh, I thought, some big news. People should look into it. Uh, We really need the state and federal government to help out a little bit is the takeaway, because Madison is just severely limited in its options. And we should do an episode about what the city can and cannot do, because I think we're really, we're kind of past the inflection point.
2: So what's the number? To... Bring us home. Like, what do we need? How many? How many housing units?
0: Well, that's the. I think that's what's so alarming about this report is, like, right now you could build a ton more, and yes, that's good. You need to do that, but it's not going to make any damn difference until 20 years from now in terms of affordability because of just construction costs and the fact that people who have uh, high income they're scooping up these places too. So,
1: well, what becomes of the Oakland to our San Francisco, Monona?
0: I love Monona Already is in a way. Oakland's cool too. Fitchburg. Before we get to any more news, let's take a quick break and find out what Bianca's doing this weekend.
2: So I want to shout out a good read in The Cap Times this week. It's by Allison Garfield, and it's about the new-ish program in Madison to send mental health workers and paramedics to respond to, crisis 911 calls rather than police. So it's it's called CARES, which we do love a good acronym here in Madison, the Community Alternative Response Emergency Services. And it's staffed by the Madison Fire Department along with uh, workers from Journey Mental Health. And this has been something that has been long debated, right, since we had a number of high profile police shootings in our community. Tony Robinson, for one, back in 2015, Ashley DiPiazza, 2014, Michael Schumacher, 2016, not to mention George Floyd later on. So the city has been reeling, looking for solutions to keep people alive, because we know that some police calls were ending in unarmed citizens being dead. And people were looking for alternatives. And one of those alternatives is, hey, what if we sent people who are trained and skilled in mental health rather than use of force, which is, is what we do now? Um, so this program, uh, the calls get routed to this program only in the in the case of nonviolent offenses. So when, the, when there's no... Known weapon, you know somebody calls into to nine one one and says, "Hey, like I need a welfare check," or, you know, somebody's freaking out, you know, some something like the Tony Robinson call where uh, somebody was was worried was worried about him, and there were no weapons. So this program has been pretty successful. I mean, they responded to nearly a thousand calls in their first year, and. This was built off of the program called CAHOOTS in Oregon. I don't know if you heard about it, but it was one that's kind of been replicated across the country.
0: Yeah, I think we picked a better name, even though I liked the sound of CAHOOTS. <laughs> CARES seems like a better <laughs> acronym yeah. than CAHOOTS.
1: You're in CAHOOTS with the CARES.
0: But CAHOOTS is it's still cool, but...
1: Yeah. It's pretty
2: sticky. I mean, man, I feel like they really did the country a service. A lot of people modeled off of their program in Eugene. So the, the issue now, though, is there's really only it's only staffed by a few people. And their hours are really only daytime and early evening hours, which, you know, when you think about when a lot of crises happen,
1: it's late night,
2: it, overnights and weekends, right? And that's the time. That's the exact time that we don't have anybody on staff.
0: I mean, I know they have already expanded the hours. I mean, do you know anything if they're going to do that again? It kind of seems like they had a model and they're building it up. So yeah. Maybe this will change.
2: Well, they started out, right? It was just a few people. It was downtown. It was just one, basically one shift. And people were like, uh-uh, this is not going to cut it. So then they built out two teams so they can go from eight in the morning to eight at night. But, you know, there's still no no one to respond to overnight calls. Because when you think about the police department, I mean, that's like hundreds of employees right several shifts Round the clock service. We don't, you know, if you if you need to call at 2 a.m., it's not like oh, sorry, nobody is available to take your call. You know, right? Like we yeah. don't do that for the police, but we are doing that for these emergency responders mm. right now.
1: This is a really important and awesome program because it's basically someone's going to show up if someone's having a mental health crisis. You know, sitting in the street or whatever. um The person that shows up is not going to be armed. You know, it's not going to be an officer. And th- you know, as you said, it's going to be non violent situations. But that said, a nonviolent situation could become violent with fear. I just I just felt like pointing out the fact that fear is contagious, you know, and there are, <laughs> there are a lot of folks who uh, who don't have the same trust in a police the police department or a police officer.
2: Well, these folks are specifically trained in de-escalation as well. I thought the police
0: were trained in that too.
1: I thought it was really interesting. Like this article, I saw something really interesting in there. One of the counselors quoted basically said that they uh, have the choice to wear a bulletproof vest, and they've done that, but they prefer not to because they don't want. They want to show up um, in an unthreatening manner, you know. And I'm sure police aren't trying to show up threatening, but look, they are. They're wearing uniform, and I don't know. Yeah. I do know.
0: You do. It's the guns. It's the yeah. guns.
1: It's the guns. It's the muscles. Um, but I'm sure the counselors, counselors might have muscles too. But, you know, everyone doesn't have an Andy Griffith connotation with police officers, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, including Sharon Irwin, who I'm really looking forward to us talking to her on Monday. She's Tony Robinson's grandmother, who's still, who's still been fighting, you know, eight years later. So... Stay tuned for that.
1: Definitely. Well, now I have the Andy Griffith theme song in my head. So speaking of fictional characters, making a big switch here. I thought maybe Mingo Madness hit the city, but I think we're all aware that the pink that's been popping up everywhere is a different kind of madness. It's Barbie fever. <laughs> Barbie's hit the nation, uh, including Madison, um, and it brought in 155 million during its opening weekend in North America. It just like broke a bunch of international records for box office sales, and it came alongside the Oppenheimer film, which people are doing both. So Bar, <laughs> Barbenheimer, which double is
0: nuts. Why I can't? That's like six hours in the cinema,
1: which is a dream to me. <laughs> Yeah, but we talked about, you know, on this show, you know, another Cap Times person we got a shout out, uh, Mr. Rob Thomas. We've talked to him about all of our theaters and, you know, the trouble that we were seeing AMC Theater over in Hilldale closed late last year, just thinking we can't get butts in the the seats. And that was really, really sad. But this week's been very different. What are you guys feeling about this fever?
0: Well... Why are there so many fictional characters, including Barbie, from Wisconsin? Have you noticed that?
1: We're imaginative people.
0: She's from Willows, Wisconsin. That was, like, written in the 60s or something. Roz Doyle from Fraser. Her mom was the attorney general of Wisconsin in the show, and she is from Bloomer.
1: We have creative writers. I mean, look at our record, y'all. <laughs> Orson Wells, he, he was a dreamer. He dreamed folks up, fictionalized characters.
0: Jack Dawson from Titanic.
1: Oh yeah. My first crush.
0: From near Chippewa Falls. Have you ever been in Wisconsin? They have some of the coldest winters around.
1: Are there more fictional characters? I don't want I don't want to cut off the train.
0: Oh, I'm I don't want to derail the train. Uh, I got a whole list, but Chris Traeger from Parts and Rec from Wisconsin. <laughs> Peg Bundy from Married with Children. She's from the fictitious Wanker County, Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> Wanker?
0: <laughs> yep. Of course. James Bond's best friend, Felix. He's from Milwaukee. And then there's like 25 <laughs> Marvel comic characters. Oh, God. Who are all from. I think it is. It's writers. We have a
1: lot of here. writers. Yeah. But Barbie Oppenheimer, I kind of think they, this is like a media dream. Like, I want to do a dissertation and like a download with Rob Thomas, if you're listening, Rob. Um, but. I'm excited about it. I don't think you are, Molly, so much (laughs) about seeing it. Did you watch the trailer?
2: I'm not a movie gal. I do think maybe climate change is the best thing to happen to movie theaters, though. That's my hot take.
1: That's a good hot take. It's burning up. So people are going to be staying inside, which is kind of sad in a certain way, but not if you're going to the theater. But I'm just going to say, yeah, Greta Gerwig is the director and she's like one of the most successful women directors in our generation. Issa Rae's in a black Barbie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to see it. Um, and I overheard a cashier at St. Vinny's on Willie Street uh, over the weekend. Like we're running out of pink. <laughs> you know, the most one of the busy at Vinny's at Vinny's. Yeah. He's like literally oh all cool. day people have been coming in Um but I think what's really fascinating right now is that it's like the contrast of this Barbenheimer moment with the strike that's happening in Hollywood. The industry is like kind of at a at a crossroads right now about what how writing is going to happen in terms of writing scripts and like how AI technology is going to work and basically people are fighting for their jobs. Um, and it's you know, what I didn't understand about Barbie until I watched the trailer was that it is a progressive take. Basically, Barbie's busting out of the box, bust me out the plastic, I've been acting brand new. And yeah, there are people like on the picket lines basically fighting for the rights to be a part of the creative forces that be.
0: Pro union Barbie.
1: Pro union Barbie. <laughs> but I feel like it's an important one because it's not only is it fun that people are getting out, but, you know, I think it says something about this moment and theaters and, you know, what's possible and that people can come together and like celebrate uh, the cinema from human beings. Um, I don't know. I just want to shout out. There's a good op piece op-ed piece in the post from an actor, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, basically just like talking about the fight. And I'm. I, it's hard to look away. It's it's historic.
2: My brother's on the picket line. Right now, just like he was last time with the WGA. Only now two unions at once. So will they have more leverage? We'll see.
1: Well, none of us have gone yet. I have tickets. I'm going to
0: Oppenheimer tomorrow. (gasps) And it's the first movie I've seen in six years. So a friend persuaded me to go. So there's that.
1: Explosiva. La Bomba Explosiva. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally on
2: people's houses in New Mexico. But we won't talk about that. I won't kill the vibe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We want to know, did you guys go? Is it worth the hype? What did you think? Let us know. Madison at citycast.fm.
0: Just before we go, we got some public service announcements uh, that will affect you. Uh, Atwood is going to be closed just a few blocks between Fair Oaks and Oldbrook Park, but If you know the land around there, that is like a massive detour that involves Walter Street and John Street, and it's a big pain. So just look out for that. It's going to last through the end of August. So Starting Monday. Starting Monday. And it's also going to be really hot. So just remember, check up on your neighbors and everything, because weather's getting all weird out there. And, yeah, and if you didn't hear our talk with with Wisconsin state climatologists, it was a good one. You should check it out. It was posted on Wednesday. Well, we have successfully completed another roundup. Molly Stentz, thank you.
1: Yeehaw.
0: Bianca, enjoy your cinema experience.
1: Thank you. Break me out the plastic. I've been acting brand new.
0: That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by Natalie Rivera, Molly Stentz, and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to Madison Minutes. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with a realtor? We consider it a good deed. See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then...
2: I've definitely started calling it Atwoodent. Thank you, Rob Thomas. Did you At see that? Wouldn't That's what he calls it now. It ain't Atwood. It's At wouldn't.